This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Hello, America. Well, Nigel Farage went on an epic rant yesterday in Parliament. We're going to share some of the audio, show you how this is breaking down, show you why the EU uh, is breaking down, and how it relates to our country. Also, the House Freedom Caucus Chairman, Jim Jordan. Congressman Jordan joins us beginning right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Why did the EU break apart? What's that really all about? I contend that's really all about refugees, and here's why. It's not, as some people believe, uh, xenophobic. It has nothing to do with race. What it has everything to do with is the fundamental change and loss of the Western civilization. People know that the refugees that are coming over have no intention, no desire to, uh, uh, to become British, to become European. It is a land invasion. And how do I know that? Well, we are spending a lot of resources, a lot of time, a lot of worry about, you know, saving the Middle East and helping the people in the Middle East. But who are these refugees? They're not women and children. They're men and young men. Why have we not seen this happen before? Why do you say that it's an invasion? Because when men and young men are fleeing their country, it shows they don't want to fight for their country. They don't care about their country. They're just moving someplace else. Women and children usually leave the war zone, and the men and the young men usually stay back and fight for their country. But that's not what's happening. But that's not the only reason why the EU is falling apart. The EU is falling apart because they are exerting power. They are becoming a super state. And people don't want to lose their own state and their own identity. They realize that the government is just taking it. They're not listening to the people. Here in America, it's no different. We're having lies shoved down our throat. We're having refugees shoved down our throat. We all know common sense is telling us something is very wrong. The government no longer has to obey its own laws, and yet they are growing more and more powerful and telling us we have to obey their laws. 
And notice I say their laws. They're not our laws anymore. They're their laws. Because we're a nation of men and not, not, not laws anymore. Why do I say we're a nation of men? Well, did you get a bailout? If, you're, if your company is failing, are you going to get a bailout? Are you too big to fail? Or is it just the banks? Is it just those who have done special favors? We all know that's what it is. It's special favors. I don't have a problem with money in campaigns. What I have a money, what I have a problem with is, is that money buying special favors. Our politicians can now lie under oath. They can do things that would put us in prison for all time. They can use the IRS as a weapon. They are fighting both parties in both houses. They're fighting for the first, second, fourth, fifth, sixth, and seventh amendment to be limited in scope. Why? That gives them more power. The NSA is a weapon. They have they have behaved in battle abominably. They I've never seen anything like this before where we abandon soldiers that are crying out for help that we don't even try to scramble help and then they lie about it. People die and they lie about it. And where's the outrage? Most of the com- country says Enough is enough. Why does Benghazi even matter? Benghazi matters because we've got a guy running for president who says, let's just go kill families. The other person running for president is the one who just said, my election and my reputation is more important than going in and sending troops. Let him die and I'll lie to the families. Why does Benghazi matter? Because we have the other guy saying got to fight fire with fire, which I agree with. But what does that mean exactly in a nation where the laws don't matter to the elites? Jim Jordan is the um, is the head of the uh, Freedom Caucus in Washington, D.C., and uh, He's being told by a lot of people that Benghazi doesn't matter. He's here to tell us why it really does. As the report comes out and Hillary Clinton says, we have to move past Benghazi. Why should we not move past Benghazi? Jim, welcome to the program. Good to be with you, Glenn. Uh, Yeah, we we, we need to focus on what took place here, and and that is the fact that political concerns dominated everything. Uh, You know, you, you were right, Glenn, and we pointed this out in our report that no military assets were in motion. Uh, before the, the attack was even over. But what did start before the attack was over was the political spin with Secretary Clinton's misleading statement. At, at I always tell folks, at 10.08 that night, Tyrone Woods is still fighting. He's still on the roof of the annex. And she puts out a statement that says some have sought to justify this vicious behavior as a response to inflammatory material on the Internet. She's blaming the video before the fight's even over. And we know that that was wrong and that was misleading because an hour later she said in the private email to her daughter, that terrorists killed two of our people. And most, most telling is the next day what she said to the Egyptian prime minister, again, privately. She said the film had nothing to do with it. It was a planned attack, not a protest. And they kept this up, publicly misleading the American people, blaming it on a video, privately telling the truth, and saying it was a terrorist attack. And they did it because they were 56 days before an election, 
and uh, they were concerned about the politics. They were concerned, Glenn, they were concerned about not sending in military assets and uniform. They wanted our personnel to go in in civilian clothes. Actually, uh, we had men in the military changing clothes on the tarmac back and forth. That takes time. Maybe if you were more focused on just helping our people instead of your political concerns and, and the political ramifications for your campaign and potentially your future campaign, in the Secretary's case, maybe we'd have had a chance to actually get some help to Tyrone Woods and Glenn Doherty uh, before the mortars stayed at 11.15 Eastern time that night. Why does this, <clears throat> why does this matter, Jim, you know, beyond Hillary Clinton? Because in a country, and this is, this, was, this is what you were talking about, Glenn, in a country as great as ours, the greatest nation ever, you have to have your leaders, particularly in times of crisis, communicate in a straightforward and honest fashion with the citizens, with the taxpayers, with the people. That is a hallmark of a, of, a, of a government built on the rule of law. And here in this case, we had just the opposite. Political concerns dominated everything. We stayed in Benghazi because this was supposed to be the shining foreign policy success story for the Clinton State Department and the Obama White House. This was supposed to be how it works. No boots on the ground. You oust the dictator, part of the Arab Spring. And we stayed, even though we had a diplomatic security agent who testified to us, who said it was a suicide mission working in Benghazi, and everyone there was going to die. Even in light of all that, all the facts, 200 security incidents, we stayed when almost every other country left, and then it happened. A terrorist attack on 9-11, 56 days before an election, and they have to spin it. They have to talk about the, the, the video, which had nothing to do with this, and try to mislead the American people, all for their legacy and for their political concerns. Did you get down to why we were there in the first place that day? Oh, we asked all, all kinds of questions. We, we didn't get answers. I mean, that's the other thing. We get, we get accused of, you know, spending time. It, things cost a lot less and move a lot faster when people cooperate and work together. But we got zero cooperation from the Democrats on the committee. And more importantly, we got no help from the White House and the State Department as far as getting us the information and all the information, frankly, that we're entitled to and the American people are entitled to and the families of the four victims who gave their life for their country are most entitled to. That's what took so long in this process, and we still don't have it all. And when we talk about you know, the weapons issue, which we all have our suspicions, what was going on there in, in the CIA annex, no answers to that. The White House won't even answer our questions and hides behind some institutional interest. Not even, not even executive privilege was the, what they asserted to us. Institutional interest they hide behind. So, we didn't, yeah, we didn't get all the answers we, 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 we should have. So, Jim, here's the here's the problem that you are in, and you you know this um, because you wouldn't be on this program if you didn't think that a it mattered and b you could change the course of something. But the American people are listening to this, and half of the country is rolling their eyes. I mean, uh, yeah. I was I I had lunch. I'm I'm in Hollywood, California. Oof. Uh, and I had lunch yesterday with a very big, well, I guess I could say it because he scheduled the lunch at the Palm Restaurant. So we were, I mean, we were right in the center of the Palm right. Restaurant, which I thought was bizarre. Um, but I had dinner, I had lunch yesterday with Jeffrey Katzenberg. Yeah. And um, and he brought up Benghazi. And yeah. it was like, we got to get past Benghazi. No, 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 we don't. N- no, we don't. Um, half the country thinks this is ridiculous. And the other half of the country says, why should I care? Nothing's yeah. going to happen to this person. No one is going to pay a price. I, is, I there, still, is there nothing that 
Congress or anyone can do to have someone pay a price for this? Well, it's, it's why, I mean, part of our job is to, is to highlight the facts, present them in a compelling way, show that those facts, I mean, what we did, Mike Pompeo and I wrote a separate opinion, and the reason we did it is because the full report from the committee is 800 pages of the facts, the what happened. But we think if we thought it was also important to say why. Why did we stay when everyone else was leaving? Why did we stay when it was such a dangerous place and dangerous position and everyone knew it? Why did we mislead the American people after the fact? Why didn't we, why did we have men change out of military uniform and, and going in, in civilian clothes? Why did we do all this? The political concerns and, and highlighting why that, that all happened, because we can't change this fact, and it's not why we did it, but the, the Secretary of State now happens to be the nominee of, of one of the major parties. And we think it's important to show the truth about what happened there. We let the people decide how that impacts their decision here. Our job was to get to the truth and, and, and explain what the facts show, and the facts show that they did it for political concerns and political concerns solely. But we don't know what the overall, cause, because I believe, uh, Jim, um, that we were running guns or we, we, were, we were doing something uh, for, I think, for Syria, trying to pick the guns up, so we can transfer them through Turkey and, and get them into uh, Syria to arm the people who have now become ISIS. Um, but we, we, didn't, we didn't find, we didn't confirm nor deny any of that. So we know you do a good job in your report of saying this is all about politics. Yeah. But it's, it's more than just cover your butt on, on politics that, uh, you know, Libya is... Libya's fine. We don't need troops there. It's, it's a success. It's more than that, isn't it? Well, it could be. And, and look, uh, I think a, a lot of members of the committee have the same uh, concerns suspicions. and suspicions that you're raising about what may or may not have been going on there. What we, what we couldn't do is we couldn't confirm it. Well, uh, wait, 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 wait. part of we that do was have... because people, some people just wouldn't answer the questions. Some we did ask that they didn't see any of what we think may have been going on there. So we can't say for sure if that, that was happening. Um, and we can't confirm that, and that's how these investigations work. You ask the question to everyone who's willing to answer, and the answers you get, if they don't confirm that that, that hypothesis, then you have to you can't report that that's actually yeah, that I understand actually that. what happened. I understand that. And but w- did you get to why why didn't you uh, investigate afterwards? Say it again, Glenn. Why didn't you investigate afterwards? Why did we wait so long to investigate? Why did they? Why did they obstruct the investigation on the ground? Yeah, I, that's always been a concern. But that was before, right after this attack happens, before the select committees form. You know, it's, it's a couple of years later, basically because of the Ben Rhodes talking points, which, you know, had been edited so many times and were deceiving. It was what uh, Secretary, or excuse me, Ambassador Rice used on, on television. That was a, sort of the the final straw that prompted then Speaker Boehner to form the, uh, to set up the select committee in the House to vote to do it. Uh, but, yeah, before then, uh, why didn't we get there sooner? Why, why did it take so long to get to Benghazi uh, to do the investigation? Part of that was because the security situation there was so dangerous. So there were a host of concerns, but the longer you it's like any investigation, the longer you wait, the tougher it is to get to the, tougher it is to get to the truth. And can you, can you go over the emails that uh, Hillary Clinton received uh, you know, prior to this, that this is your this is your big victory. Make sure you take. Oh a lap. my goodness, yes. I mean, this is this is this legacy. And there's an email from Sidney Blumenthal where he says, "You are vindicated." Now, remember, he uses the word "vindicated" because she was the one who advocated for this. There were a number of people in the administration who didn't want to go into Libya, didn't want to help oust Gaddafi. 
But after he's ousted, there's an email in August of 2011 where Sidney Blumenthal says, take a bow. You, you need to go out and do a press conference, even if it's in the driveway of your vacation home. You're, this is a big moment. History will treat you well, but don't wait. Help Cleo now. Cleo is, of course, the goddess of history. And uh, as I said yesterday, when, when you got the goddess of history looking over your shoulder and you're 56 days before an election, uh, you can't tell the American people the truth. You've got to mislead them and say it was a video, and that's, that's what they did. So yeah, this was, this was supposed to be the crown jewel. Libya was supposed to be. This is how the Obama administration's foreign policy works. Um, this was the Clinton legacy, and uh, so much so that you know they were working side by side with the goddess of history. But it, uh, terrorism doesn't necessarily respect all that, and, and these terrorists then did the terrible, terrible deed they did on September 11, 2012. Jim, thank you so much. Thanks you for bet. all the hard work of the Freedom Caucus and and everything you guys have done and put up with. I, I don't know how you do it every day, but God bless you and thanks for standing. Thank you, thank you, Glenn. Take care. Yep. From Ohio, Jim Jordan. Uh, now this, there's nothing to fear if you take the time to be prepared. Somebody said to me the other day, well, you, you guys just deal in fear. No, no, we don't. We deal in solutions. There are things that you should be afraid of. And reason, when you kick in reason, you say, okay, well, what do we do about it? Well, here's a, here's a way. Some, at some point, whether you are going to be snowed in or whether there's going to be a flood or an earthquake or, you know, you lose your job or breakdown of society. Hello, Greece. You need to take care of your family and you may not have the cash or the ability to do it right now. Right now, my Patriot Supply will send you a four week food supply for only ninety nine dollars. That's over 50 percent off the regular price. It lasts. Twenty five years. You can easily store it in your home. That's four weeks of food for $99. It makes sense to prepare. It is reasonable to prepare and save money at the same time. Call now, 800-200-7163, 800-200-7163, or online with preparewithglenn.com, preparewithglenn.com, 800-200-7163, preparewithglenn.com, 800-200-7163. I'm old. I'm fat, and this is as good as it gets. The Universal Truth. I'm older and getting fatter, and the same thing is happening. Drastic times call for drastic measures. I'm going to just starve myself. My willpower is fading away fast. The Wonderful World of Stew presents the world's first starvumentary. This Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern on The Blaze TV. Program. Mercury. In the next 19 seconds, you could sell your home. Okay, it's, I mean, it's not going to sell your home, I mean, this, but it, you're going to take a big step toward getting it sold. Go to realestateagentsitrust.com and find an agent selected by my team, a professional who shares your values and speaks the truth. Sell your home fast and for the most money. Get moving at realestateagentsitrust.com. Triple eight seven two seven back. This is the Glenn Beck program. 
Welcome to the program. So glad you're here. There's, um, there is a lot to uh, talk about, including, I don't know if you guys saw this, but the uh, 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 Chris Cuomo was in a drag race driving yeah. drunk. Mm-hmm. Driving drunk? Is that, is, I didn't hear that part of it. I heard that yeah. he was, because uh, he's got a classic car that he like adores. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and he wrecked he, it. He wrecked it uh, going against a Mercedes, I guess, right? Are you, yeah, he, he was going, uh, here's what happened. He left a party hosted by his wife uh, for Beach Magazine, and he got behind the wheel of his uh, 69 Pontiac Firebird, pulled uh-huh. upside uh, next to a 67 Le Mans, uh, photos show a blonde woman standing in front of the hot rods, her arms raised high as if starting a signal of a race, <laughs> Start the race. saw the woman rolling around and posing and modeling on the hood of his car. This idiot uh, thinks he's Vin Diesel. Oh, yeah, yeah. And uh, he was, so he wasn't necessarily drunk, but he was drinking. Um, they took out, they took off, um, and uh, they were racing to, I guess, the train station, and he lost control and ran into the back of a Mercedes. And then they whisked him away from the scene of the accident. Huh. Not the first time CNN has, uh, um, well, I was going to say, this is the first anchor that hasn't hit somebody uh, and then fled the, the, the scene of the crime. He just hit the back of her Mercedes and <laughs> fled the scene of the crime. So Rick Sanchez, I believe, actually hit somebody and, uh, and then yeah. fled. This but. is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. You guys hear the uh, Nigel Farage uh, speech yesterday at the EU? It was uh, yes, awesome. Oh, my gosh, is this epic? Awesome, and it's amazing to watch because you are hearing you're hearing the um, the English do what the Americans did at the uh, at the Revolutionary War. You hear them standing. I mean, honestly, it reminded me of like Ben Franklin. Where they were, you know, where he's standing up in front of this powerful, you know, uh, body of uh, of politicians and saying, we're free. And you guys got to get over it uh, mm. because we're free. And it is uh, amazing to me to listen to the jeers of the others from from Europe. Listen to this speech from him. Isn't it funny? You know, when I came here 17 years ago and I said... <laughs> But I wanted to lead a campaign to get Britain to leave the European Union. You all laughed at me. Well, I have to say, you're not laughing now, are you? And the reason you're so upset, the reason you're so angry, has been perfectly clear from all the angry exchanges this morning. You, as a political project, are in denial. You're in denial that your currency is failing. You're in denial. Well, just well, just look at the Mediterranean. No, no, no. As a as a policy to impose poverty on Greece and the rest of the Mediterranean, you've done very well. And you're in denial over Mrs. Merkel, Mrs. Merkel's call last year 
for as many any people as possible to cross the Mediterranean into the European Union has led to massive divisions between countries and within countries. But the biggest problem you've got and the reason, the main reason the United Kingdom voted the way that it did is you have, by stealth, by deception, without ever telling the truth to the British or the rest of the peoples of Europe, you have imposed upon them a political union. You've imposed upon them a political union. And when the people in 2005 in the Netherlands and France voted against that political union, when they rejected the Constitution, you simply ignored them and brought the Lisbon Treaty in through the back door. What happened? What happened last Thursday was a remarkable result. It was indeed a seismic result, not just for British politics, for European politics, but perhaps even for global politics too. Because what the little people did, what the ordinary people did, what the people who, who have been oppressed over the last few years and seen their living standards go down, they rejected the multinationals, they rejected the merchant banks, they rejected big politics, and they said, Actually, we want our country back. We want our fishing waters back. We want our borders back. We want to be an independent, self-governing, normal nation. And that is what we have done. And that is what must happen. Wow. Amazing. Now, did you notice, Pat, this was an edited version. Did you see the raw version? No. Okay, the raw version, um, they have to call for order uh, several times. And the guy, and let me see if I can find uh, his name. Uh, let's see. Boris Johnson, blah, blah, blah. Jean-Claude Juncker um, was, um, uh, was the guy who was uh, uh, trying to bring things under order, and, and he refused to speak English. Normally, he leads it in English, but as a protest... He refused to answer anything or call the House to order in English. That's how childish they are getting. And um, it, it, Farage, you have to look this up and watch the whole speech. Farage goes on afterwards and says, you people need to grow up because we're leaving. And if, if you want to impose uh, trade sanctions, it's going to hurt you more than it's going to hurt us. So grow up. Because we're leaving. It was amazing and amazing to, to me to see how out of touch these politicians in the U.R. really are. They don't they don't have any idea that it is that the, the people want nothing to do with this, nothing to do with it. And it's not just in England. No, I, I, it's like spreading like a contagion throughout Europe. What are their, uh, I was reading this this morning, 14 countries now? I mean, there's going to be nobody left. And if France leaves and if Italy leaves, you know the thing falls apart. I, they only need one or two major countries now to follow suit, and it's over for them. Well, I don't think Italy will leave because Italy needs, Italy needs all the bailouts. Um, but I can't believe that Germany stays in when people start to bail on this because they're the ones that are going to get they're going to have to pick up the burden yeah yeah it's already costing them just uk leaving another i i think three billion a year uh let's go ahead 
so they, somebody's got to pick up the slack here, and that's always going to fall to Germany. How long are the German people going to? How long are they going to accept that? Not much longer, especially because no. of immigration. Uh, Niall Farage, let's go back to cut sixty-eight, please. Here he is talking about uh, Putin and uh, Barack Obama. Vladimir Putin behaved in a more statesmanlike manner than President Obama did in this referendum campaign. Obama came to Britain. Obama came to Britain and I think behaved disgracefully, telling us we'd be at the back of the queue. I think you guys say line rather than queue. You know, you know, treating us, treating us, America's strongest, oldest ally. He's right. Here's what here's what's amazing. If you look at the polls from when the president spoke and said you're going to be in the back of the line, mm-hmm. the polls shot up like the Al Gore hockey stick. I mean, and, and this 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 hockey stick chart is actually real, but it it shot up right from the time the president inserted himself. I mean, our president is just the worst. He has no clue as to what people are thinking. And he has no clue on how to behave in another country. I mean, have you ever heard of a, a president going over and inserting himself in an ally's business? No, I mean, but if there was an, if there was an ally, that, I know if there was an ally that could do that it, it, and should, it would be Israel. And you'll notice that uh, Israel always stays away. You know they have feelings about Barack Obama. They never made those feelings clear. They never argued about. Barack Obama, look, we don't want to insert ourselves in your politics. What you do is your business. We're just here as your good friend, et cetera, et cetera. What does Barack Obama do? Insert himself in it. And they're yeah, still and, doing it. And it did affect the polls. It was weird. It was interesting to see what happened with the polls because the polls pretty well called a very close election. All the polls in Great Britain, I think. I think Leave won something like 49% of the polls uh, that were taken since the beginning of the year. So about, and it was about half, half of them they won, half of them they lost, and it was a close election. But, you know, Glenn, we've been talking about this since, I think, probably early 2000s, of the betting markets and how they're usually more efficient. Up until, I mean, during the day the referendum was going on, you could still get six to one odds for Leave to win, even though the polls were close. But they all thought, uh, that remain, stay in the EU, was going to win this. The, and the betting markets were way off when the polls were actually right. I mean, I can't remember another instance in where the, which that happened. And I wonder if it's just the people who are looking at this were so convinced that at, in the end, everyone will come to their senses and forget about that sovereignty thing. Yeah, well, and they'll but- all join together in this nice global... Everyone really wants that. I think there's some people who are a little upset. One but, of the... One well, of the- one of the guys they talked to uh, after the vote, uh, who voted to leave, said he was surprised that it actually happened. Because I, I voted to leave, but now I guess we actually are. Wow! I was. I mean, he was. <laughs> <laughs> it's there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of people um, here in California. I mean, I've probably talked to, I don't even know, um, in speeches, you know, fifteen hundred people. Uh, and you know, with with one on ones, probably thirty people where I'm where I'm actually having a chance to speak to them, and most of the people out here say this is just xenophobia. This is this is just the white male seeing his job being uh, be, uh, going away 
um, and going away to Arabs. And you're like, you know, you guys don't get it. You really don't get it. But I will tell you this. It scared them enough to where they are now paying attention to the center of our country because they know that real trouble is coming. They may misdiagnose on why it's coming, but they know it's coming. And they see the handwriting on the wall. And, you know, the people that I've been talking to out here are, are all convinced. This is just because, you know, they don't get it. The people don't get we have to all work together. No, the people get that we all have to work together. We, we know that. That's not what's happening. You know, what, what was the cl- uh, cut? Uh, let me see here. Um, there's, a, there's a, oh, here, uh, audio cut number 146 from Hillary Clinton yesterday. Listen to this. I, I am sympathetic to um, a lot of the people attracted by Trump's uh, message who are feeling really left out and left behind. Uh, they have lost faith in their government, in the economy, certainly in politics and most other institutions. And they don't know how they're going to um, create, and you all are creators, how they're going to create a better future for themselves. So I am not only sympathetic, I'm looking for solutions. Okay, but she doesn't. She doesn't get it. She doesn't. Uh, again, the people she was talking to people here in Hollywood yesterday. Um, I've talked to the people in Hollywood in the last four days. They don't get it. They don't have any idea that when, when she says, you know, they've lost faith in the government. Really? When did that start, Hillary? When did that start? That started, honestly, in the modern era, in the last 40 years. It started with your husband. It started with your husband and you lying to us and then him not paying a price. And then, under George W. Bush, getting the Patriot Act, hearing one thing, and then actually seeing the results are completely different. And then this guy, Barack Obama. Saying one thing, doing something else, and breathing down our necks. Have you seen what he has done? The fundamental transformation is complete. If you could go to any bathroom, I should say this. If you could avoid any bathroom on the planet, which would be the bathrooms that you would say, boy, those would probably be pretty dangerous, they would be bad? I would say the bathrooms at the rest stops, the bathrooms in the national parks, the bathrooms where you're all alone and there ain't nobody around, right? You look at the rest stops, think of Jim McGreevy, the former governor. What were those rest stops about? Those rest stops were places where guys were hooking up and it was just, you know, I want to have sex with another guy. So imagine you're on the uh, you're on the uh, road with your son and you go into a rest stop in New Jersey. There's the governor hooking up with a stranger because that's just where people go to hook up. It's the last place I want to stop. I'm in the national park. I'm alone. I got nothing. You see what President Obama did? President Obama has changed the bathrooms in the national park to be Whatever sex you want to be, you go ahead. 
The fundamental transformation. That's not the only thing he did, by the way. He also has changed the oath to citizenship. He's taken something out of the oath to citizenship. I'll tell you that coming up in just a second. Now this. If it sounds too good to be true, it usually is. Hey, I'm going to give you a free security system for your house. Wow, really? Thank you. I know you're a big business and everything, and you're making tons of money, and I strangely can't figure out how you could just charge me for this 24-7 security monitoring and give me a free system. How does that work? Don't worry about it. It's free. No, it's not. You're paying $50 a month, which is paying for that security system over and over and over and over again. You'll pay for that security system five times. And then you can't switch because you have a long-term contract. You can't switch because somebody else is going to sell you a security system. Well, stop it. Simply safe. It's your security system. You buy it. You design it. They'll help you. You install it. There's no wiring. There's nothing. It's easy. Well, it's simple. Simply safe. Go to simplysafebeck.com. Here's how much here's how much you'll pay every month. Reduce it from $40 or $50 a month to $14.99 a month. That's what that's what the monitoring actually costs you. Cut the ties, cut the cords, cut the cable, cut the wires. Go to simplysafe.com. No no wires, no strings attached, no contracts. simplysafebeck.com. That's simplysafebeck. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Well, I want to lead with the uh, the errors. Before we er- actually made an error, thank goodness uh, our people are on it. Um, and this is strange because this is coming from a very good source. Obama mm-hmm. removes the bare arms clause from the citizenship oath uh, is not true. Thank goodness. Um, I was just about to report it and not true. Uh, yeah, it's, it's 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 kind of a weird uh, thing. I mean, it, yeah, they they clarified, they clarified the eligibility requirements uh, the, if you're seeking a religiously based waiver. It's essentially though you it, there always has been a religiously based waiver. They clarified it, but you still have to prove it. Yeah. Um, so it really is sort of a freedom of religion thing. I mean, that's the basis of it, at least initially. Um, Strange. So, yeah. Because yeah. that's the only time he's strengthening religious objection. I know. I know. (laughs) Very strange. Very strange. Back in just a second. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
Bad news, uh, according to a new NBC poll, anybody who wants to dump Trump as a delegate, we'll get into that. Uh, The Supreme Court justices yesterday warned they are coming now for your religious freedom. A truly remarkable story uh, from Ben Shapiro we'll get into here in just a minute. Trump's newest senior advisor tries to quietly delete his past tweets about his new boss, Donald Trump. And member of the European Parliament, Daniel Hannan, a guy who, if we didn't have that pesky can't-be-a-foreigner thing in our Constitution, I would vote for him for President of the United States. Daniel Hannan joins us to talk about Brexit right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Daniel Hannon, welcome to the program. Thank you, you, sir. Great to be here. Uh, Boy, it's it's a good day for you, good week for you. Uh, What's the fallout of this? And a good day for democracy and a good day for freedom. I mean, there was the most amazing imbalance of forces here, Glenn. We were up against all the party leaderships, we were up against all the corporates, all the lobby groups, all the vested interests, the Brussels-funded NGOs and charities and trade associations. We were up against every foreign leader that David Cameron could call in a favor from, including Barack Obama. And we still pulled it off. Come the three corners of the world in arms, and we shall shock them. It is. It's, it's truly amazing. I was listening to Nigel Farage yesterday, and, and his, his tirade uh, against the EU— uh, and they still don't get it. They still don't know what what happened uh, He was right. They're absolutely in denial. But I couldn't help uh, but think of the American founding that this is probably a little like what Ben Franklin sounded like in front of Parliament. Yeah, you, you guys, guys, you guys voted leave and it seems to have worked out OK for you, right? It, I mean, it really did. It, it, it was it's the same thing. You know, that's that's true. Having said that, I don't want to be triumphalist. And I I think Nigel uh, forgets that these countries are going to be our friends and allies in any scenario, right? 48% of the country didn't vote to leave. We can't just forget that. We can't disregard their votes. We need to listen to what they were worried about. And we need to try and build a consensus that carries as many Remain voters with us as possible to a new relationship with the European Union, where we still have trading links, we still have our military alliance, we still have close intergovernmental cooperation, but we bring back the right to make our own laws and to hire and fire the people who pass them. And I don't think that's impossible. I think there are other countries in Europe that would like a similar deal themselves. We're not going to see anything radical. We're not going to see anything immediate or precipitate. But we will see a gradual reorientation by the United Kingdom away from the declining, collapsing eurozone on our doorstep towards the more prosperous markets across the oceans, not least those English-speaking common law markets where we have natural affinities. So, Daniel, we have... um... By the way, we're speaking to uh, Daniel Hannan. He's a member of the uh, European Parliament. Um, we have seen here in the United States, doesn't matter what the people say. I mean, we could vote and vote and vote, and it just doesn't matter. If the elites uh, decide that that's what the right thing is, by hook or by crook, they 
they rope us in. What gives you the confidence that this is actually, I mean, especially with a two-year exit plan, that this is really going to happen? I mean, they're trying the same thing. They're trying very hard already, scrabbling around to find a way of reversing the result. But I think they misjudge the temper of my fellow countrymen if they think that there's anything that is going to change people's mind. The one thing I really do want to say, though, is, you know, I've seen some coverage in the U.S. and in other countries that suggests that Britain has voted, you know, for raising drawbridges or for uh, somehow distancing itself from the rest of the world. That is 180 degrees the wrong way round. You know, I was leading the, the, the campaign. I was involved longer than anyone. And our argument from the, to the start was that we want a global Britain that is interested and engaged in the affairs of every continent, including Europe. I can make a prediction now, Glenn, that there will be a, a free trade agreement between the U.S., and the UK long before there is any deal, if there is ever any deal, between the US and the remaining EU, because our instincts and our inclinations are very similar, and we will come very quickly to a conclusion. And I think we'll also have free trade deals coming with Australia, with India, with old friends and allies on other continents. This was not a vote for Britain turning its back on anyone. On the contrary, this was a vote for a global Britain, a more deregulated Britain, a more free trading Britain, and a Britain that is looking across the oceans to where the real growth is happening. People here are comparing this and saying this is a sign that Donald Trump is going to win. I, I don't personally think that is true. Um, but Donald Trump yesterday uh, spoke about, you know, new trade deals and and protectionism and uh, mm. trade barriers. Um, it, isn't that kind of what you were just saying, that that's not what you guys are doing? That's that, not what that's this is the, about? That is the, exactly. That's the, the huge difference. You, you won't find a single person, not one person on the Leave campaign, who has ever suggested that we will have tariffs or other trade barriers against the rest of the EU. We want to carry on with an open trading relationship with our immediate neighbors, who are also our friends and allies, and will remain so, whatever happens. Uh, however the, the, the disengagement works out. But we want easier trade with countries across the oceans. Like, for example, the EU and the uh, Washington and Brussels have been talking about a free trade agreement for ages, and it's been captured by the corporatist interests. The, the, the big, uh, massive multinationals are using that process to try and raise barriers to entry, to introduce more regulation, to make life harder for startups and entrepreneurs and their other small competitors. Now, a bilateral deal between London and, and Washington will not have anything like those problems. So of course, there'll still be some lobbies trying to capture it. But the instincts of the American and British peoples are for free trade, property rights, and free competition. We won't have the issues that we've had up until now with French farmers not wanting the deal and Italian textile workers wanting protection and so on, because we're, we're both basically globally minded people. And that's where I think Donald Trump misreads what's just happened. I don't necessarily, if I agree, I'd agree with you that that's what America is anymore. I mean, I don't know if you're following. I'm sure you are. What's happening here in America? But there are many of us here in America that are shocked at our own countrymen. We have we have no idea where they're where they're going. And 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 I mean, you're a history, uh, a student of history. You're a student of our Constitution and our founders. And quite honestly, I love having you on because you remind us about those things that that many Americans have just dismissed as nonsense now. I, I mean, I, I, believe me that I say this as a friend of America and a friend of American democracy, but I am so depressed 
that of hundreds of millions of American citizens, you couldn't find two better candidates than Hillary Clinton <laughs> and Donald Trump. Uh, and and it, 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 it's the most crushing. I mean, for those of us who wish you well as a country, that is a, a deep disappointment. And, you know, both of them reacted to the Brexit vote by making it all about them. Right. Donald Trump immediately says, yeah, this proves that I've been right all along and is a, is a popular uh, insurgency. And Hillary Clinton immediately sends out a tweet saying this just shows we need experienced leaders in the White House. The, the problem with both of them is they think it's all about them. They don't have the humility to recognize that they're aspiring to an office that is bigger than they are, an office that will simultaneously elevate and humble its occupant. And that's the basic disqualification in my book for both of them. And I hope you guys can find somebody else who will respect the letter and spirit of your constitution. Well, I mean, there's a lot of people think that Barack Obama, I'm not one of them, but a lot of people think that Barack Obama faked his birth certificate. Could we fake one for you? <laughs> I'm, I'm a very strict interpretationist, as you'll have gathered when it comes to your <laughs> constitution. But seriously, I mean, there is nothing, you know, did you remember that episode of The Simpsons, the, the, the famous Kang and Kodos episode, where uh, they, the, the, the two evil aliens run for the presidency, both <laughs> promising to enslave the human race. And when yes. somebody says, well, I, I might vote for a third party candidate, they laugh and say, go ahead, waste your vote. You know, I think a lot of American commentators have taken that as a kind of official part of the constitution. It's not. If if you've got two rubbish candidates, don't cheapen yourself by voting for either of them. The only wasted vote is a vote cast without conviction, and I'm sure you can do better. I just want that to echo throughout the land uh, here because we are really, we have really lost our way, uh, Daniel. We have really lost our way uh, here. As you are looking at uh, the world and you are seeing the forces of of power on both sides uh in the of the ocean of uh, of the western world uh and you see the power structures in the death throes and the and the and uh, the thrashing about uh that happens just before death uh what do you what do you see our future as you know, I, I, I've been given so much confidence and inspiration by what happened last week. I've never felt prouder to be British. You know, people were under such emotional strain, so much blackmail, so much pressure, and they reacted with courtesy and calm and common sense and followed their hearts and voted for freedom and for self-government as a country. And if we can do it, so can anybody else. I think that the day of the big corporates and the old elites, the old parties, the old power structures are numbered. In, a, in a, an internet age, the individual is empowered. And this could be a great era for freedom and for individualism. And I think our instincts like yours are those of a free people. You know, we, we, we're naturally, by our instincts and our institutions, we're naturally fitted to an age where the, the, the citizen is in charge and the government becomes smaller and smaller. And I, I hope that people are going to see an independent Britain leading the way being part of a civilized, liberal society that's open to the world, but that is self-governing, where patriotism isn't a dirty word. And I think that other countries will want to follow. Uh, Daniel, Um, uh, one quick question from my side. As long as we've known you and long before we've known you, you have been vigorously campaigning to get fired. Correct. Uh, You have now succeeded and will lose your job. What do you do do next? Well, yeah, I, I tell you what, if any listeners know of any openings for newly unemployed members of the European (laughs) Parliament, uh, please get in touch through the producers of this show and they will pass your job offers on to me. Listen, I mean, 
I'll be honest with you. I have been wake, I've been working towards this day for 26 years. I was 19 years old when I decided that the chief issue in politics in Britain was to bring back our independence and our self-government. This is, this is scaling Everest. I'm not going to get to another high like this, whatever else I do. So I think there may be uh, a, a good moment in my life, and it may be now, to go and do something a little bit different and step back from frontline politics. Not least because... We're a couple of weeks away from having another baby, my wife and I, and that, I think, will give me something else to concentrate on. Uh, Daniel, can you, uh, first of all, congratulations on your your child. A number, and is it a boy or girl? This is number three. I tell you what, it's it's uh, 14 years after number one and 11 years after number two. This slightly uh, screws up my retirement plans, but it's a very happy event and a very happy moment. That's great. Okay, so Daniel, one last uh, one last point here, because this is what we're hearing from the media and the elites here. That this this wouldn't have happened uh, if it wasn't for xenophobia, and in particular, the white guy seeing that his culture is being lost to new immigrants uh, and uh, and unjustified fear. May I suggest that the the forced immigration and the forced lack of or, or the forced blindness to towards common sense on what is happening did play a role but do you well, think how big of a role did it play I, I you know what you guys probably know this as well as anyone when people have run out of arguments they start calling you racist having lost this referendum the losing side is now trying to pretend that it was all about xenophobia it was all about bigotry the opposite was the truth. I was on the streets campaigning since December. And not only was I campaigning alongside many Brits of Commonwealth backgrounds, Pakistani, Bangladeshi, Indian, West Indian people <clears throat> campaigning for self-government and, and out of patriotism and out of love for the country. But actually, we were, we were joined by a surprising number of people who had taken UK citizenship, having come from continental European backgrounds, people from Polish, Hungarian, French, Spanish, Italian backgrounds, because they had clocked the EU for the undemocratic, oligarchic racket that it is, and they understood that voting to take back your laws does not mean voting to walk away from Europe or voting to close your borders. We're still going to have immigration into the UK. We're a growing economy, you know, and no one has ever suggested that we can have zero immigration. All that's going to change is that from now on, we will determine who comes in and in what numbers. Uh, and and it, it, do you see the others uh, starting to uh, leave the European Union? Are you going to stand alone for a while, or do you see dominoes begin to fall? I think that the United Kingdom will probably secure a relationship that is based on free trade rather than political integration. And I think a number of other countries will want something similar. And they will include some countries that are in Europe but outside the EU. I think the, the Swiss, the Icelanders and others might want to, as it were, team up with us. And I think there will be some of the more peripheral Atlanticist free trading countries like Denmark, maybe the Netherlands, that want to have a similar deal as well. And potentially that leaves everybody happier. It means that the core federal integration-minded EU countries can go ahead and have their political union, their common currency, their single foreign policy, their president, and all the rest of it, and good luck to them. And then around that will be a tier of countries with a much looser deal where we have open markets, where we remain friends, where we talk regularly, but where we have the right to pass our own laws without being overruled by a foreign court. Now, doesn't that make everybody happier? You know, the, the core countries get what they want, which is a United States of Europe, and the more reluctant countries get what they thought they were coming for, which is a free market, not a political union. 
Daniel Hannan, a member of the uh, European Parliament, while it lasts, uh, or while his job lasts there. Thank you so much, Daniel. Thank you uh, so much, guys. Thanks for giving us some hope on this side of the uh, water. Now this. Progressives, if they had their way, Mount Rushmore would look a little different. It would be Theodore Roosevelt, Woodrow Wilson, Franklin Roosevelt, and uh, and Lyndon Johnson. You might want to squeeze in a little bit of Dick Nixon uh, as well as, as Carter and Obama and Clinton and then Clinton and then a little teeny bit of Bush. I mean, it's wow. We have had one long string of progressives. The person that can teach you how to uh, fight the progressive wave, and it is, it is a tsunami, is FreedomWorks. The FreedomWorks Foundation, the best way in, in uh, giving concerned citizens the training to stop this tsunami, or at least pick up the pieces on the other side of the tsunami and, uh, and begin to move forward. We have to do this locally. We have to take this on from the grassroots. And FreedomWorks, that's exactly what they do. They will teach you how to knock on doors, organize phone banks, contact your congressman, run for office yourself. We have to stop the progressive surge. And as you just heard, in England, it was done by the average person. Don't lose hope. That's what you do, and you do best, is stand for your principles. For the next 14 days, they're asking you to donate $20.16. You'll get a free complimentary uh, a bumper sticker, a Don't Tread on Me bumper sticker. Donate right now and help teach us how to be free. Donate now at freedomworksforme.com. That's freedomworksforme.com. Glenn Beck. Want to see Glenn live? If you're coming to Texas, you can. Join us at Mercury Studios in Dallas for a taping of Glenn's television show. To reserve your seat, email tickets at glennbeck.com with your information. That's tickets at glennbeck.com. Mercury. That's truly amazing is um, is what happened yesterday um, and the bombing. Did you guys see the, the videotape of the guy blowing himself up yesterday? Uh, no, I chose not to watch that. Yeah, me too. What? You, you chose not to watch that? I, I chose you? not to watch that. Yeah, the humans exploding mm-hmm. was not something that I clicked on. To well, no, it wasn't, it wasn't like, I mean. Well, not having seen it, I don't know. I just. Not having seen it, I I actually don't know what was on it. But when I did see the headline about person blows themselves up, here's the video, I chose not to click on it, so I don't have the knowledge of what's in it. Mm -hmm. Okay, so you're better than me two days in a row. Is that what you're saying? (laughs) More than that, probably. Sadly, no. (laughs) All right, did you see see Jay Leno roll his car five times on the racetrack? (laughs) No, oh, no. no. Did he do it on purpose? No, he didn't. No. Oh, wow. He was was in a, a... kind of in an old, almost like a, an old funny car. And uh, he wasn't driving, but he was in the seat, and they rolled it, and they rolled It was a bad accident. Oh, wow, it, really? Yeah, rolled it five times. Is he okay? Uh, 
uh, yeah, he's okay. They were really strapped into this thing, but you could see he was really. I mean, he was joking right after they had the car. They had the cameras in the car, wow. and you see him just, you know, rolling. Uh, and it's 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 quite amazing video. But you guys are better than that. You guys shouldn't watch right. that. Right, You're better than that. Mm, You're thank better you. Better than that. I'm just a thrill seeker, I guess. I guess. Back in just a second. <laughs> You've probably seen the uh, stories about the devastation in West Virginia. The flash flooding is just, just horrible. In one county alone, 500 homes were destroyed. 23 people have been killed. The, it is still possible the death toll is rising. Mercury One is trying to help the families in West Virginia, and that work is going to go on for quite some time. We had people on the ground already in West Virginia. Our goal is to raise $100,000 to help the families of West Virginia. I know this audience can do that. If if we want the government to do less, we as individuals need to do more. And and if you would like to help, uh, just go to mercuryone.org for information and, and donate to the relief fund. All of the information is there. When you donate to, like, the relief fund, 100% 100% of your money goes to the disaster. There's nothing pulled off to the side. Nobody's salary is being paid. We pay that. I do a fundraiser every year for Mercury One, and uh, we hold this big uh, gala, and we do auctions and everything else, and that's what pays for everybody's salary. I don't know anybody else that does uh, uh, charity the way we do. 100% of the money I ask you for at times like this uh, goes to uh, the, the relief. Not a dime is taken out of that for any kind of expense. So donate now, mercuryone.org, mercuryone.org, and help us help West Virginia uh, and the flood victims there. Interesting news uh, coming out today. We we know that the we know that Stu, I wake you up from a dead sleep and I say, "What was the Orlando shooting all about?" What do you say? Uh, Islamic extremism. Okay, Pat, I wake you up from a dead sleep. Same question. It's too early to tell. I, I mean, a lot of people are saying that he might have been, you know, homosexual. Maybe harbored some guilt or resentment or something. And, so, guns. It was about guns and guns. Yeah, and guns. Some people reported that uh, the bar was uh, ripping people off. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. No, you just don't know at this point. No. Still investigating. I'm told. Who got it right? Did, did either of us win? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Obviously, so, what have we said? What have we said when <laughs> when the when the uh, we've been joking 
when the mm-hmm. government is saying this and the guy is on the phone saying Allah Akbar. No, no, mm-hmm. Allah Akbar. Right? We've been joking how frustrated they must be that we just don't get it. Right? Yeah. Yes. Guess what's happening? Al-Qaeda has issued a a new statement. Um, this is from Al-Qaeda in their latest edition of the Al-Qaeda magazine, which I get. And it's just, it's great. I, I wait for the, the uh, swimsuit edition. Mm-hmm. Yeah, where the the burkas are all the way up to the uh, top of the wrist. Hmm. That's sexy. Yeah. Sexy, man. Oh, and it's so hot that you oh, do it's... see the bridge of the nose on the swimsuit edition. Sometimes. Which sometimes, is, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. I mean, not I always. Mean, or the trash. Yeah, I mean, suits, no, that, but, yeah, that slut whore this... is killed immediately after. <laughs> yeah, so, but you see the fold? see the wrist and the ankle? Forget it. Yeah. No, yeah, it's yeah. Over. Those whores. So. Anyway... Uh, <laughs> That is, and you're not. That's not you saying that. That's an actual headline from the story. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. So this whore is dead. <laughs> yeah, that is actually what they say about her. Okay, so uh, anyway, um, Inspire Guide, Orlando operation. It now tells terrorists to avoid targeting places and crowds where minorities are general found, generally found, because if gays, blacks, or Latinos appear to be the target. The federal government will be the one taking full responsibility. My gosh. So they're now saying you better target white straight people mm. or they're going to say this is about minorities. This they're going to say this is about sexuality. You've got to target white people. Mm. Wow. Thank you. Amazing. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, there's still I still see the headlines and the banners on these uh, on some of the news channels. They'll say we may never know what his motivation was. Right. It's like and well, so now so now ISIS and Al Qaeda are instructing their operatives here to target specific. Don't target minorities. Don't target minorities of any kind. You have to target white people. And I credit. would go a step further. They're they're gonna they're gonna eventually they're gonna get down to targeting. White conservatives, mm-hmm. because the government, you just target white people and the government will say, well, he might have been a right wing extremist. He might have been against Hillary Clinton. <laughs> and so they've got to, I mean, they're going to get down to, OK, anybody who is anybody who's a member of the Tea Party, get that yeah. guy. Get that guy. Yeah. I mean, and, and like, you know, all these reports that came out that he might be gay or whatever. It, it seems like the proof for that is incredibly thin. Like the actual story does not seem to be that that's actually true. Um, what we have is him on the phone in detail. Akbar! T- telling us what his motivation was. And right. we still may never know what his motivation is. He said is. he was at some, praise God, he was at some bar. I don't know what it was. No, it was Allah Akbar. <laughs> right. I, I, I don't know. He got the bar name wrong. He uh, called himself an Islamic soldier. For ISIS, right? For ISIS. He pledged allegiance yeah. specifically to the person ISIS. who leads ISIS. No, it is was, clear what his motivation he was. Homophobic. Was. He was homophobic. Did they think he said Mac Daddy instead of Al Baghdadi? <laughs> no, he was homophobic. He was homophobic, and uh, and he got a gun. And he was hypnotized by the gun. They do that. They do that. Especially those AR-15s. They'll hypnotize you to run out and start shooting him. Right? Yeah. 
Yeah, because they look dangerous. And they are. They are dangerous. Do you know that they were designed? They were not designed as planters. They were not designed as a topping for ice cream. No? They were designed to kill. Oh my gosh. No, they were. That's weren't. what they're designed for. No, they weren't. Mm-hmm. No, I'm mm-hmm. not gonna hear you badmouth guns. <laughs> they they were they were designed as an art piece and a hammer and uh a um uh, a hexit wrench. They don't make and very good hexit wrenches, though. I, no. I have, found, have you ever tried to yeah. put the barrel of a gun? It's it's almost exactly like a hexit wrench. <laughs> no, I, I actually haven't. Although you have mentioned many times that you've used a gun as a hammer. Well, it was a it was a flintlock or a cap and ball. It wasn't a real. I mean, it was a real gun, but it was you know it was an old gun. It was an old gun, and hopefully not a loaded one. Oh, I have no idea if it was loaded or not. I, <laughs> I no idea. <laughs> Typical gun owner. You know, right. just, yeah, yeah no, I have no care. idea yeah. if it's loaded or not. I don't know how it works <laughs> uh, at all. So, no, it wasn't loaded, and it was an old, you know, it was an old replica gun that, you know, I got when I was a kid when my, my parents were like, here, play with this gun for a while, kid, and leave mm. us alone. Uh, and, uh, and so I didn't have a hammer, you know, for most of my life because I'm not exactly handy and it took, Mm -hmm. uh, it really honestly took Tanya in my life to to, put a stop to that, to put a stop to it and get a toolbox. And she was like, you're not hanging another picture with the butt of a gun. And I'm like, honey, I've used it for years. A good thing she she met you, yeah. uh, probably. And no, it wasn't loaded. I was life. pretty sure. It, no, <laughs> you it were wasn't pretty lo- sure. I'm pretty <laughs> sure it wasn't loaded. It was not like it was not like an automatic flintlock or cap and ball. <laughs> it's funny as Tanya was trying to discourage you from doing that. We've been encouraging Jeffy to try it and start up a new practice <laughs> of using guns for all sorts of household tasks. So far, he funny has. that you have. Yeah. You know what's interesting too is that every other government seems to believe them when they tell them, hey, we're from ISIS and, and we're blowing up your airport and shooting your people because we're from ISIS. I mean, the Turks have no problem believing it. Why are we the only country in the world that will not understand when people tell us they're terrorists? Uh, no, we're not really sure. you got to believe Turkey's by that. Uh, believing it today. Turkey's believing uh, it. They're, they're doing it after you know, recovering Istanbul. from almost 50 people being murdered at the airport. They're believing it. Yeah. I don't know why we're the only ones that have problems believing it. Uh, they're pretty clear on their motivations. And, you know, while at some level uh, there are, there's politics involved when you talk about, well, they won't say radical extremism. If you don't admit and understand what the problem is, you can't deal with it. You, you we could not have won World War II if we refused to talk about the Nazis. Mm-hmm. We would right. have. See, th- this, is, this is how it doesn't make sense at all. By saying that we're racist, by saying Islamic extremism. Um, is the same as saying you are a racist against all Germans by saying uh, you're going after the Nazis. It's the exact opposite. No, we're going after this ideology and people who believe in the Nazi ideology. We're not going after all Germans. We, We didn't have a problem with all Germans. We had a problem with those who were Nazis. I, I, I have... The civilian or it's called civilian order number one. And it was the civilian order that Dwight Eisenhower put out. 
And they it was a broadside that they would paper, you know, telephone poles and sides of buildings and everything else. And it's in English and in German. And what it says is, we are the army of the United States of America. And the German people are not our enemies. The Nazis are. If you were a Nazi, mm. turn yourself in. You are our enemy. If you are harboring a Nazi... You are our enemy. Turn them in. But if you are just a German, we are here to liberate you. That's the same thing. It, you, we couldn't have won World War II without saying it's the Nazi we're going after, not the Germans. Otherwise, we wouldn't have stopped fighting. We would have killed all the Germans. We didn't. Do we have a problem with Germany now? Do we have a problem with Germans now? No. 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 Well, that's it, only because they look like you. No, it, they really don't. They don't. It would be like these people noticed. yelling Zieg Heil, too, as this guy was saying, Allah Akbar. It'd be like a Nazi saying Zieg Heil, and you'd be, well, I'm not sure what he meant by that. Uh, I'm not, I'm well, not you know, sure. it's, you, what's amazing, and this will happen, this will happen, um, it, it, uh, uh, the Black Tom uh, explosion back in 1914, I think it was. It was on this. Yesterday we had a symposium. Know why you like Tom? Embarrassing. You think we wouldn't know about it? And then why you? I mean, you're talking down to the audience. Obviously, they've all been talking about the Black Tom explosion from 19. Uh, 19 what? Uh, 1990. Uh, right around. I, I didn't hear. I didn't catch that. It was. Oh, it was under was which pre- under which president was it? It was under a president Roosevelt. Oh. <laughs> Actually, I think the exact Roosevelt? date is, was 19. What? What? Did you say Roosevelt? <laughs> no, uh-uh. I did not. Does that sound Glenn, like oh. Glenn? Glenn, you're like some place in between Washington and Roosevelt that something happened. <laughs> and my President guess is it was. Roosevelt. Was it between Washington and Roosevelt? I think yes, it, was. it was. It was. It actually was. But uh, that was it good. Was the Roosevelt period of American <laughs> right. history. It was the Roosevelt. <laughs> of course, that famous Roosevelt uh, period where Woodrow Wilson. Wilson was promising people yes. that he wasn't going to get into the war. And uh, the Germans, German saboteurs, blew up an ammunition uh, site right on the other side of the Statue of Liberty. It was so powerful that it, it actually, uh, people were um, uh, shook awake as far as Baltimore. It broke uh, windows it, in Boise, Idaho. Did not know. They, they it didn't. Yeah. But it broke windows all the way from Battery Park in Manhattan all the way to 42nd Street, uh, which is half the island of Manhattan. Almost Idaho. Yeah, almost oh, Idaho. Yeah. But anyway, it was huge. He buried it. And what did he say? He said, because he didn't want to fight the Germans, he didn't want to get into World War I because he was, uh, he was promising the people he wouldn't. And he didn't want to take it on. And so he said, that's capitalism for you. There's these evil capitalists that just are trying to blow things up. And uh, they just don't care. They they were so shoddy on their security, and they just didn't care, and they weren't maintaining the place. And all of a sudden, it blew up spontaneously. And what happened? To put the Japanese in the internment camps, they reopened the investigation that they already knew and had proof were Germans. They knew who the guy was back under Woodrow Wilson. They mm. knew the whole ring. They knew all of it. But they buried that and suppressed it until they wanted to use that 
for World War II and to get the Japanese into internment camps. And that kind of stuff is going to happen. They're burying all of this. It's like Stu says, they're saying Zig Heil. We all know it. They're blaming it on something else. But when it becomes useful for them, mark my words, when it becomes useful, they will start to say, oh, by the way, remember that at Fort Hood? Yeah, that was terrorism. Now, this, since the U.K. voted to leave the, uh, the EU, Goldline's phones have been on fire. Monday, I was at Goldline, and I, I visited with the people who were taking your calls. And um, they, are, they love you. I mean, literally, they love you. Um, they say that there's nobody better than the Glenn Beck audience that calls. They are so kind and so respectful, and I appreciate that. And I appreciate the, the fact that they are back to you. These people actually care about you. I want to just give you some headlines here real quick. Greenspan warns early days of a crisis. Infl- uh, inf- inflation is coming, and he urges the return to the gold standard. Uh, let's see. Brexit sends a clear message to sick political uh, elite, and contagion is coming. Gold is going up. Now is the time to buy. Goldline, 1-866-GOLDLINE, 1-866-GOLDLINE or goldline.com. Read their important risk information. Find out if buying gold or silver is right for you. It is for my family, and it is right now, again for my family, goldline.com. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. This is the Glenn Beck Program. So glad you're listening to us. We're glad you're here. I'm going to talk a little bit about what happened yesterday um, uh, in uh, Turkey as people are uh, just trying to go around and conduct business, what it means to America, and more on the election coming up. to update you on what's happening on in Istanbul. As of right now, more than 40 dead, over 200 injured in a terrorist attack at the Istanbul airport. We give you the details right now. of entertainment and enlightenment. This is the Glenn Beck Program. ISIS has claimed responsibility for the terrorist attack yesterday at the airport in Turkey. Three terrorists using suicide vests and machine guns killed 41 people and wounded over 230. The attack is a near duplicate of the ISIS attack at the airport in Brussels back in March. 
This is things are getting things are bad. And this is one of the bloodiest months over the last two years. But the Obama administration, I don't know where that's coming from. The Obama administration uh, would have you believe that ISIS is on the run. It is not. The State Department has touted the liberation of Ramadi and Fallujah as evidence of their case. They point to the gun, the uh, gains made by the Kurds in northern Syria. But what has this actually produced? Have you seen the pictures from Ramadi or Fallujah? These places aren't even cities anymore. It's a concrete junkyard of devastation. There is, there's no city to liberate. And the ISIS casualties were low. Most of them just dispersed under the cover of human shields. And what always happens? They run, they go back into the civilian population, and then they come back. And they'll come back because the tool we use to liberate those, the tools we're using are the Iranian-backed Shia militias, the Shiite version of ISIS. The reports are already coming in, the reports that you're not going to see, that those militias are torturing and murdering the Sunni population. And this is what we wanted to avoid during the surge. Who do you think the Sunni populations in both Fallujah and Ramadi will run to after all this is over? ISIS isn't growing weaker in Iraq. In fact, we are helping making the case for more ISIS recruits. And what about in Syria? We're slowly backing the Kurds in their efforts. But it's nowhere near enough. ISIS is in complete control of their capital city and the surrounding oil fields. And just about every legitimate analyst out there admits that at this rate, it will take years, years to dislodge ISIS from their stronghold. But the administration doesn't want to hear this and doesn't want you to hear this. In the meantime, while all of this is going on and we're shuffling our feet in papers, more news like yesterday in Turkey. And here's the scarier thing. ISIS is evolving. They're fine-tuning their target selection. They're learning. They're adapting our security protocols. Look at the past few major attacks they've carried out on foreign soil. A nightclub and two airports. All three chosen to take advantage of large amounts of people crammed into small locations in order to inflict a maximum number of casualties. They're following a coordinated and calculated doctrine to a level we have never seen before. And after each attack, they become smarter. Does it look like their capability is being degraded? Do they look like they're on the run? Are these the actions of an enemy in retreat? Al-Qaeda came out yesterday and said, you got to stop killing minorities, at least in America. you got to stop killing black people. you got to stop kill- killing Hispanics. you got to stop killing gays. you got to kill white people. Otherwise, they're just going to continue to say that this is about something else. Allah Akbar. The attacks at the Brussels airport in March and the attack at the Turkish airport yesterday, they were chosen to take advantage of security flaws. It's highly symbolic. Think about it. The terrorists for decades have tried to take out passenger planes while they're in the air. 
the ultimate prize. So out of fear, airports have gone to massive massive security checks inside the airport. It's the reason why you see two or 300 people crammed into the airport ticketing areas. So what did they do? They didn't give up. They adapted. And now they've decided they'll strike this area instead of the plane. Our own security measures have created a choke point of death at every major airport in the world. ISIS is saying, go ahead. Live in fear. It's not going to stop us. We'll kill the same 200 or 300 people, whether a plane at 30,000 feet or whether waiting in your security line. You can't protect your people. Have you been to an airport lately? TSA security lines are absolutely out of control. On any given day, it's not uncommon to see 200 people waiting in each line. What does that mean? We are more at risk for attacks like this than anyone else. We claim that ISIS has been degraded and is on the run, but they're evolving their attacks to take advantage of our weaknesses. They're getting smarter. They're getting more deadly. And here's the question. They're getting smarter and they're getting more deadly. What are we doing? Why aren't we? Why aren't our security measures evolving at a faster rate than ISIS attacks? You know why? Because it's run by the government. It's almost as if we are the ones who have been degraded. It's almost as if we are the ones on the run. And you know why it feels that way? Because we're the ones dwelling dwelling in the caves, not them. They have sophisticated Facebook, Twitter, and online presence. They're reaching everywhere, and they're not, they're not cowering in a cave. But we are. A self-imposed cave of ignorance. There is a huge difference between security and the illusion of security. And this administration, and I fear the next administration, is more concerned with illusions. And I mean that whether it's Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton, for the love of Pete. One's a liar. And the other one is just a more sophisticated liar. One that creates illusions. I'm worth a billion dollars. Bullcrap you are and you know you're not. It's all illusion. Illusions on the threat we face from radical Islam here on the mainland. Illusions on the success against ISIS in Syria and Iraq. Illusions on Iran. Illusions of grandeur. For what? This president, his ego, and his legacy. The next president for his ego or her ego and power. For the NSA, power. Department of Homeland Security, power. On June 29th, 2014, ISIS declared their caliphate. Happy birthday, ISIS. You're two today. It's their second birthday. 
as part of the commemoration, ISIS, ISIS released, released a, a graphic this morning listing all of the areas under their influence and control. In all, this two-year-old listed 19 different countries. If we don't get serious about combating both ISIS and their ideology, this number is going to increase. ISIS will continue to evolve their techniques at a faster rate than we can adapt to them. Why? Because they're using free market principles. Today's airports, today's nightclubs, will be tomorrow's shopping malls, and God help us all, tomorrow's schools. And until we start telling each other the truth, until we stop saying, well, we may never know what's caused this, but boy, we got them on the run. Until we stop with that illusion, until we stop with that lie, It's going to get worse. And now this. How are you sleeping at night? I know. It's great. There's nothing that keeps me up at night. No. The last thing you want, you, and when you get to bed, I don't know about you, but I got so much stuff on my mind. The last thing I want to do is toss and turn. If I want to toss and turn, it's going to be because of the, the crap in my head. Not from the bad night's sleep or the uncomfortable mattress or that it's too hot. If you're going to lose sleep, lose sleep over something important. Casper mattress. Between now and July 5th, you'll get an inflatable pool mattress as well. Holds up to two swimmers comfortably. Features a handy cup holder and blow-up pillows. I mean, it's not a reason to buy a mattress, but it is a nice gift along with it. Here's a reason to buy a Casper mattress. You're going to get the best night's sleep ever. Just the best night's sleep. Two high-tech foams that guarantee you a sleep on, on, on a bed that is comfortable and cool. With the support that you need. Time Magazine said the Casper mattress is one of the best inventions of 2015. When's the last time somebody reinvented the mattress? This isn't the best mattress invention. This is one of the best inventions of 2015. Discover for yourself why you are going to love Casper Mattress as much as I do. Try it in your home for 100 nights free with free shipping and free returns, and you get the inflatable pool mattress. Go to Casper.com and use the promo code BECK. Get uh, $50 off the purchase of your mattress. It's Casper.com. Use the promo code BECK. Get $50 off if you use that promo code BECK. Casper.com. Terms and conditions do apply. You're 
you're listening to the Glenn Beck Program. I want to tell you a little bit about Jay Leno. And Apparently there are two transgendered people running for Senate now. Uh, yes, and they both won their primaries yesterday, which is interesting. Um, and the states in which they won, at least one of them, might surprise you. Uh, a transgendered woman ran for uh, the Democrat nomination in Utah yesterday. And I won, knew it was Utah. And won by 20 <laughs> points. Uh, she will now, Misty Case No will now face off against Mike Lee in November. Okay, so uh, it is not uh, not surprising, and here's why: if you if you look at Pat, how do they how do they advertise Park City? Well, they used to. I don't think they do this anymore. But they for a while they were advertising it as Park City, Colorado. Right. There is a large segment of Utah that is so anti the religion. Uh, yes. And so anti, Definitely. oh, this family values crap in this state. Yes. Um, the, the family values are so strong there that it has is, it is created this, this a counterculture. Yeah, yeah, a backlash against the church and, and big, anything they stand for. Yeah, big counterculture. And so it, there's a, she'll galvanize all of the people who are like, oh, yeah, watch this. We'll show <laughs> yes. Utah. I mean, yes. it, 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 she, she could win. She could win. Well, hopefully not against Mike Lee. I, you know, that I would be, hope not. But can that you would imagine? Be really bad. Yeah, I, can you I imagine. Mean, I could imagine it happening. I can imagine yeah. anything right now. I know. Also, I Misty, know. Uh, another Misty, Misty Plowright, also a transgendered uh, person, challenging Doug Lamborn in Colorado for the nomination for the for the in the general election. They both won their primary. He won by. I think 30 points. I mean, it, they, they just crushed their competitors. It's it's really something. Uh, because it's history. Yes. And, it, and is I, also, it is also a way to destroy the system. And when I say that, I mean, it's a way to, it's a way to, you know, give the finger to the establishment. And they're definitely doing that. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's, this is, this is a. This they're winning by landslides because this is a protest vote. It's like, oh, really? You think your values or you think your system or yes. or whatever? It's a You're statement right. vote. It's right. a statement vote. But our guy in Colorado won as well. Yeah, uh, our guy Darryl that we Glenn. talked to was it last week? We talked to him or the week before? Daryl Glenn running for uh, uh, the Republican nomination of the U.S. Senate won in Colorado. So good for him. Yeah, he actually did win. Did yeah. You, were you aware of that, Glenn? He actually no. And and did Gary Herbert win in Utah? Uh, yeah, yes, he did. Yeah. Okay. yeah, he did by oh, he a pretty did. big margin, yeah. yeah. Okay. 70 Thought he would. Percent. Yeah. Thought yeah. he would. Which was okay. too bad. Well, I really liked, um, was it John Johnson? Uh, yes. Yeah, I, I really yes. liked him. I, th- I thought he was good, but he I thought he was good, too. Out. I mean, Herbert's not horrible. No, Herbert's I mean, he's not, not terrible. I like, right. I like him. As a man, I really like him. Yeah, I do, too. So, he's, you know, he's not, he's not a bad guy. I don't, I don't like some of his positions on, uh, you know, Common Core, et cetera, et cetera, but How do stand you like in line the- on that one. How do you like the new Democrats' uh, position on uh, freedom of speech? Are you okay with that? I'm not familiar. I've got something on freedom <laughs> of religion. I, I'm not familiar with their new position on freedom yeah, of speech. Yeah, it's, is a, it's a good one. Um, All right. If you like the position that North Korea takes on freedom of speech, I, you're going to love this. You're going to be real comfortable with it. If you're comfortable okay. right. with being imprisoned uh, for, for your point of view, um, then this is, is going to be right up your alley.
Well, is this a, is, I mean, do you have a bad point of view or one that's just not popular? Well, if you have a point of view against science on climate change, can they allow you to wander free? No, no. we need it. No, no, we need a tower no. to lock you up in. That's right. That's right. And then we need to poke you with pickle forks until you're dead. But that's all. <laughs> I mean, how do people not see I don't that know. this is exactly the same thing the church did to Galileo? You disagree? How dare you? How do they not see mm-hmm. that this is the reason that we have uh, tenure? We have tenure so people couldn't lose their job if they were saying, I disagree with what science says today. Now you're th- you're threatening to put people in jail? Oh my gosh, anybody who thought that global warming was not a religion, that environmentalism is not a religion, here oh, they yes. are. Absolutely is. This calls for the silencing of global warming critics uh, under the threat of criminal charges. They voted late last week to approve a final draft of their pro- platform to promote progressive democrat values, democratic values. Uh, so it means investigating companies who claim, uh, who they claim, misled shareholders about global warming. How far away are we from needing um, the Bitcoin encryption? Uh, what is that called, uh, Stu? What's that encryption called? Uh, blockchain. How right, long are we going to need before we have block? We we're going to need blockchain just to read things on the internet. That you want to read. How far away are we from people saying, I'm not even going to visit theblaze.com. I don't want to go to glenbeck.com because that'll put me on a list and I I just don't want to read that. How far away are we? Five years? I don't think that long. Uh, Look how how far this has come in the last five years. It's not going to take that much longer uh, to finish this job and and actually lock people up and, and charge them with some sort of crime against the environment. Uh, was it was it Bill Maher who had that kid? Yeah, it was Bill Maher that had that sixteen year old kid on that said it was unconstitutional. Uh, the the he wants to sue. He's suing the GOP because of the unconstitutional things they're doing against what's the atmosphere. What's a, yeah, what's a, what's a kettle? What's a kettle? What's a kettle? Martinez. I mean, the they've done such a good job indoctrinating people about what's constitutional, what isn't, and what's allowed to be said and what isn't. Uh, so who Ro- should be speaking and who shouldn't? Roberts, Alito, and Thomas yesterday um, came out and said, we are in real trouble. And this is from, from three Supreme Court justices. Warning, we are coming for your religious freedom. I want you to hear what... What Alito penned and what the three justices said yesterday, it is it should be a very strong wake up call to all Americans. We'll do that when we come back. The Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.
The Glenn Beck Program. You are now forced by law, forced by law to provide morning after pills. So if you are a pharmacist and you don't want to fill a prescription for a pill of death, you have to. There's, you can't say there's another pharmacy right down the street. I'm sorry, but we're a Christian pharmacy. Um, we can't do it. You can go to CVS. You can go to Rite Aid. There's a million places you can get this, but we're a Christian place, and we don't believe in that. I am a pharmacist. Can we get the other pharmacist over here? He's going to fulfill that. I, I, I just can't do that. It's against my religion. Nope. Nope. You cannot. Now, here's what's interesting. The president just relaxed or, or strengthened, I should say, strengthened the religious conviction of not fighting for your country. You're a new citizen. You're coming in. You're becoming a citizen. He wanted to make sure that you didn't have to pick up arms to defend your country if you have a religious conviction against it. But if you have a religious conviction against abortion, it doesn't matter. So here is what uh, Alito, Judge Alito Roberts and Thomas issued yesterday. Listen to this. This case points to a much larger issue. The future of freedom for all Americans to live according to their faith and conscience at the workplace. Facilitated referrals are an existing, recognized, workable, and already implemented alternative that the state regularly permits for a host of non-religious reasons and a nationally respected pharmacy associations and the majority of states fully support the use of that alternative for religious reasons. The state has agreed that the uh, Storman's referrals case causes no harm. The Ninth Circuit decision against Storman's and the two pharmacists upset decades of settled, settled pharmacy practice. Now that the Supreme Court has taken uh, a powder on religious liberty, how many of the other 49 states will start passing similar laws to drive faithful Christians out of the pharmacy business? There is an attack on religious freedom for the things that the left finds valuable. And I warn the left, it's a pendulum. And it's going to swing the other way. And you do not want it to swing as far or farther the other way. I told you, and I don't want to violate any confidence. He was very, very gracious to me yesterday. We had, I had lunch with Jeffrey Katzenberg. And I wasn't going to say anything, but he wanted to have it in the middle of the floor of, of, of the Palm restaurant. So I guess he doesn't mind having, having lunch with me. Uh, uh, yesterday. So uh, we were talking and he was, he was very gracious, very smart, walked up to him. The first thing he said to me as he, he walked in, I was already there and he walked in and he said, where's Tanya? And I thought, wow, does this guy have a good staff? Where's Tanya? She's not coming with. Um, we sat down, we talked a little bit of politics and, um, you know, we're at complete opposite ends of the spectrum, complete opposite ends of the spectrum. And um, he said, boy, are we in trouble. And he said, but this is, I guess, the trouble that you saw five or six years ago. I didn't see it coming. What? And I, yeah. yeah. Really? He very, yeah, he was very gracious and very, he's really smart. He this actually really happened. Smart. You didn't dream it. That is no, something huh? else. <laughs> no. 
Because um, when I was talking to Spielberg uh, shut two up. days ago. <laughs> shut <laughs> up, shut up. So, and I hope I'm not violating any confidence. I mean, he was not, I mean, he's not a fan of my politics. He's not. Uh, oh, I don't I'm sure wanna, not. Yeah, I don't want to create any false illusion that, you know, he's a fan. I, you know, he, He's just, he's not. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but he, he did say, this has kind of taken me by surprise this, you know, what's happening in Europe and, and everything else he's, and, and he disagrees with the reason why it's happening. Um, but, uh, but he, he, he was, it was interesting because at one point, you know, he knew that I am a guy who can't vote for Donald Trump and he, <laughs> he didn't say this, but basically he's like, is there anything I could do to talk you into Hillary Clinton? And I'm like, no, no. <laughs> no. Um, and he's a big fundraiser for Hillary Clinton and, and everything big, else. The, the biggest, he's the biggest yeah. bundler uh, for yeah. Hillary yeah. in the country. Yeah. Um, in the country. But yeah. in the country. Country. Uh, but, but, you know, it, it, I spoke to him yesterday about, you know, it, the pendulum. <laughs> the pendulum, this is, this is why you just can't swing this pendulum so far. Uh, and... I I I warn, please, progressives. You think you're going to be on the winning end of this stick, but revolutions usually are not won. But the the people who are standing and in charge are not the people who started it. Uh, and I don't know which one. I mean, Theodore Roosevelt started it, but Woodrow Wilson was the one who really kicked it in. So I don't know who who thinks they have the upper hand here. But you don't want somebody to grab the pendulum because most likely, as uh, George Washington wrote in his founding address or in his uh, farewell address, there's going to come a time when the parties are so disenfranchised from each other, so disenfranchised the people that it is becomes vengeance politics. Well, that's where we are at. It's vengeance politics. And that's when somebody who doesn't care about any of it steps in and grabs control. That was his warning. Well, that's where we're at. That's exactly where we're at. And the principles that we've talked about for a long time, you know, they're not really principles that a lot of people seem to be holding anymore. And and especially when you go to younger generations, we're talking about like, a lot of people will say, well, the Second Amendment, that's an outdated amendment. Uh, What does that that mean? Okay, and you know, that's been a long-term argument. What about the First Amendment, though? Is the First Amendment an outdated amendment that we should no longer consider? They asked this question to college students uh, last year. 21% of college students said that it was an outdated amendment that can no longer be applied in today's society. Uh, And and it was 30% of liberal college students that believe that. I mean, that's a third of liberal college students, basically, that that believe that. Then you ask... You know that's the case because they, they... Demand their safe zone. And, and yeah, they, they want a place where they don't have to hear anything from anybody else that they don't want to hear. Yeah. And they went into that a little bit. From what you know, when it comes to freedom of speech, does the First Amendment make an exception for hate speech? In other words, is hate speech uh, not protected under the First Amendment? Thirty five percent of college students believe that hate speech is not protected speech. Now, again, nobody uh, likes hate speech. But again, who's defining the hate speech? Uh, and, of course, we all know that it is, of course, protected. It's uh, the reason why the First Amendment exists, right? I mean, right. Uh, love speech doesn't need to be protected. Right, as everyone likes it. Look, um, there's, and, a lot of people, there's a lot of people that will say 
that the left engages in in hate speech um, just on conservatives. I mean, look at conservatives. Mm-hmm. It, it is you could make the case that's that's hate speech. You're demonizing us. You're 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 making us into villains. It's absolute hate speech. The same thing is said on the right on the left. The 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 um, uh, the left looks at what we're saying and they say this is hate speech. Only one side is going to win. Are you that comfortable that you're on the winning side for all time? Are you that comfortable? Because I'm not. I I a I don't believe in any of this. But B, even if I were on the progressive side, I would not be convinced that somebody, some populist, couldn't stand up and say, you know what? Revolt! Unite! And then who, then, then, then who's, who gets the hate speech? Criminal uh, penalties. This is why it's so broad. I mean, it covers everything for the most part. I mean, pretty much everything of uh, free speech. And that was another question they asked. Um, do, what do you believe the First Amendment should do? Um, should, I support freedom of speech in all cases, even though hate speech is harmful and hurtful. It is protected under the First Amendment. Only 42% of college students agreed with that statement. 42%. 46% said freedom of speech is important, but there are exceptions. Hate speech should not be protected. And then another 10% said, they went even further and said that colleges, universities, and government should regulate free speech more. Oh so, gosh. I mean, if you look at that as a, you combine those, <sighs> it's 42% saying, I believe in the First Amendment as it is now. 56% say government should crack down on speech more. We've lost this generation. Oh, well, we've got a federal judge lost him. saying that he sees absolutely no value in studying the U.S. Constitution. Yeah. So, I mean, doomed we are. <laughs> no, we're not. If we, uh, if we, big retool, if that is. If, <laughs> that was a long pause. <laughs> yeah, because I, I'm just trying to think in my own life what this means. If we retool, mm-hmm. if we forget, mm-hmm. you know, the 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 um, the battle is lost under 55, uh, and. Uh, over probably 18. Anybody 2 to 18 is where the battleground needs to be played. Um, and, you know, we're, we're just, you know, we, we think that we're doing good because we're strengthening um, the adults, but the adults are pretty weak on it until you get up to 50, you know, in the 40s, but definitely the 50s uh, and certainly the 60s. Uh, once you get into that age area, then they're pretty strong again. Uh, but we've we lost that middle generation. They don't really kind of believe in anything. The Although younger, look, the under 35 voting, believes in socialism. Look who's voting for Trump, though. It's all the old people. It's it's everybody over 65. They're all Trump people. I I, I mean, his base is mostly the elderly. It's not the youth that are voting for Trump. It's the elderly. Right. So we've kind of lost is, them, too. I think that it is. I think that it is really um, I think it's I think it's really critical that we start aiming under 30 uh, yeah. and especially under 18. Um, we've got to get that next. We've got to get that next generation or it's gone forever um, because, you know, mm-hmm. I, I remember 
This is 10 years ago. I remember reading Thomas Jefferson's words, and I thought, boy, he is so good, and you, could, you can feel the revolutionary in him. He's such a radical. He is such a radical. And I thought, he's not popular because you can get him anywhere. He's like, oh, yeah, Thomas Jefferson. I re-. He's, not, he's not viewed as a radical anymore. His, he's, not, mm. he's not Karl Marx. He, nobody's saying, don't read Thomas Jefferson. And I remember thinking 10 years ago, we're going to get to a point to where people are saying, don't read Thomas Jefferson. Don't read those guys. Those, those guys, they don't have anything to teach you, and don't read them. They're dangerous. And that's when the radicals will say, why don't they want us to read him? And soon as that happens, then they become in vogue again. It's well, just going to be just going to be a while. I mean, that's what that federal judge said, right? He said the, the 18th century guys couldn't have possibly foreseen the culture and technology of today. So yeah, well, hopefully we've got to reach I, that point. Then I'll talk to the people. I'll talk to the people at Silicon Valley, and, and I should introduce them to you because some of the people that I've talked to at Silicon Valley. Uh, understand and have better constitutional arguments than anybody else I've met. These guys are rethinking what the founders said for America 3.0, unlike anything I've ever seen. Uh, and, and that's the kind of conversation that we need to have, not these stupid political conversations that we're having every day in our own homes and on broadcast and on television and in Washington. It's irrelevant. It's irrelevant at this point. Now this... Ever heard of a credit card skimmer? Thieves install these on ATMs and at checkout terminals in stores, and then they use them to sell your credit card information. They steal it, including your PIN number. And no store is immune. Skimmers were recently found at a self-service checkout station, one of the world's largest retail chains. Identity theft is America's fastest-growing crime. And thieves use your information to pretend that they're you. They can buy things in your credit, liquidate your bank accounts, even get your retirement funds. LifeLock, they're the people to go to. If you have a problem, uh, first of all, they can't, nobody can you know, uh, scan every transaction, but they scan hundreds of millions of transactions every single second. And if they find a problem, they send you an alert. And if you have that problem, a U.S.-based ba- uh, agent is going to work to fix it for you and with you. Very different than anything else that is offered uh, on the market. Nobody can prevent identity theft, but LifeLock is the best. So join right now. Get a special 10%, uh, sorry, 15% discount on your first year. Just visit LifeLock.com. Use the promo code BEC15. That's BEC15. Act now. Offer ends July 3rd. 1-800-440-4936. 1-800-440-4936. Use the promo code BEC15. Life. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury. The Glenn Beck Program. Hey, uh... Huge upset in the soccer world. I know. This week that we haven't gotten to yet. Uh, but um, Iceland beat England uh, the other day. Think about it. Two to one. In, uh, and here, the, I, I think this is just out of control. The, the announcer from, uh, clearly, kind of a homer. Uh, but he was, 
He was in France for the game, and here's the way he made the final call. <laughs> I'm getting the impression he's a little excited. A little excited. I just don't. I, in a sport where two goals is like the max amount ever oh, scored, no, how can there be a big game. upset like this? I just don't get it. Because, I mean, little countries like this just don't beat England. You know, they just don't. Iceland is a country of 330,000 people. They've got 49,000 men in that age group. 49,000! Right, I, England has 53 million people and I don't know millions in that age group to choose from. You just don't you don't win games like that. You don't matches. When your coach is uh, you know a part-time coach and a dentist. Yeah. Another day. And England's you don't coach, win games like that. England's coach made 4.3 million a year. The other team's coach is a part-time dentist. It's not even the World Cup. It's not even the I know. Well, it's Euro. It's a Euro though. It's pretty yeah. big. It's pretty big. Yes. And they face France on Sunday. Be interesting to see how they do. This is the Glenn Beck Program. Mercury.